baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Great good morning, everyone. Ten, keep running it, Jake. 10.08 a.m. here in Northeast Pennsylvania. This beautiful Monday, November 13th, 2023. This is the Bob Cadaro Show. I am indubitably he. It is a big day to fight for America, defend our values, and honor the brave who have made us and kept us free. People like Frank, Pudgy, Colatus, Dunmore, Gerald, Jerry, Butler, Pittston. Robert West, Archbald, George Nipper Nowakowski, Durier. And we honor them today. So with history, our great founding fathers and the incomparable Constitution of the United States of America as our guides, let us continue today's battle. A reminder, this Bob Cadaro show will always be convincingly conservative, lovingly logical, proudly and passionately patriotic, and reliably right. Double entendre intended. And we re-adjourn this meeting, the club, for common sense and promise to provide you a sanctuary of sanity for the next two hours in what has become a mad, 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 mad world. And we've got leaders who are telling us upside down is upside right. I mentioned to you last hour, and I'm going to read it again now, a poem written by our friend, Monsignor Constantine Sikhanoffi, at the Gino Murley Center. It's called The Taps. May 23rd, 2014, he wrote it. And I will read it again as we continue our celebration of our veterans. And it goes like this. The Taps. The Taps. The Taps. The heart throbs. The eyes water, and the body quivers as we hear the taps playing in the distance. We know the meaning. We understand the sound. Our hearts are moved with sorrow, and we are grateful. Another brave and courageous warrior has died in battle, and now, under a draped American flag, is lowered into hallowed ground to sleep the sleep of peace. No more war, no more fighting, no more battles. No longer able to experience the joys and beauty of life again. No longer family, friends, and comrades. So brave, so strong, so gallant. The taps, the taps are playing for the soldier. The taps, the taps, not for some ambiguous myth, not for self-glory or rusty medals. Our military men and women fought bravely and honorably for buddies, platoon, family, spouse, and children. From Lexington to Afghanistan, whether on the sandy beaches, unknown small towns, ruthless jungles, or arid deserts, our American heroes fought with hearts of strength, valor, and courage. But the sacrificial moment for the fighting soldier had come. The taps, the taps. The taps are for the hero, and rightly so. The taps, the taps. Oh, what sorrow, grief, and agony that pierced the heart of loved ones. 
No more to see the soldier's handsome face, enjoy the sailor's presence, or experience the guardman's goodness. No more the beauty of the airman's life and dreams. No more sharing the Marine's gentleness and kindness. The taps, the taps. All are trumpeted away. We will miss him so. The taps, the taps. The heart-rending music captures the attention of a caring and merciful God who welcomes the gallant and noble soldier into his open arms of mercy like the prophets and saints of old. These honorable military men and women who loved their God, their families, and their country have sacrificed their all in battle for liberty, justice, and peace. The taps. The taps. Let us never forget them, and may God have mercy on them. Amen. Monsignor Constantine Sikonoffi. And now it's time for Monday Musings. With our guy, John Perillo. You'll get it. <laughs> we we finally had to come up with a theme. I, I, I need just a moment to recover from that poem, honestly. But uh, we uh, had to come up with a theme for Perillo and Monday Musings. And we asked him today, because Jake inspired me. And here it is. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> and given the history we delve into, absolutely perfect that this is John's song because it's it is a theme. John Perillo, welcome on this Monday to Monday Musings. <laughs> hey, good to be here. Calm that dog down. I don't want you. <laughs> oh, I yeah, my, yeah my, I normally have help with this, and uh, I don't have it right now, so I apologize. <laughs> That's uh, okay. This is real life. Oh we do gosh. we my, do real life here. <laughs> I don't know how he got into my studio. Right, I have my door locked. No, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, thanks for the uh, walk up music. I I like that. Yeah, gonna, we're gonna do that. Say, I think I. We'll do that from now on. <laughs> that sounds great. Hey, I, I wanted to talk to your listeners this morning about uh, how Israel could manage to still lose this uh, war that they're in. Uh, so if you give me a little bit of time here, uh, we're all watching these events in Gaza, as we should, for a lot of good reasons. And the big reason is that it's an existential struggle for Israel, meaning that if they fail, they're going to disappear. So let that sink in for a yeah. second, right? Um, John, John Perlow, I, I, I tell the audience— and, and anyone who gives me this uh, Palestinian bullspit, I say, do you think for a moment, you're talking about oppression and this and that, do you think for a moment if Israel let down their guard, they wouldn't be wiped out? Yeah, I, now I, now, I, I now reverse I, it, reverse it. Yeah. And it's obviously not true. The Palestinians wouldn't be wiped out by Israel. Yeah, that was Golda Meir's comment, that if the Israelis laid down their, arm, their arms, there would be no Israel, and if, um, uh, if the Palestinians laid down their arms, there would be peace. Uh, and, and I think she was right. Um, but, you know, but if you think about that and that turns, then you know, the Israeli army has a remarkable record of winning for such a small country in a really rough neighborhood. You know, it won conventional wars in 1948, the day after Israel was created, by the way, in 1967, preemptively against Egypt, Jordan, and uh, Syria. Oh, by the way, that's called the setback by Arab countries. 
in 73, and then it, it forced the uh, Palestine Liberation Army to give up its armed struggle in 1996. It's deterred Hezbollah since 2006 when the IDF, uh, Israeli Defense Force, militarily destroyed them. And it's not just that the military is strong because of U.S. support, but also because of everything that the Israeli military does from doctrine, organization, training, leadership. I mean, they are the most lethal fighting force in the Middle East. So I think it's safe to say about the war in Gaza now that in the end, Israel will win militarily. The stakes are just too high for uh, for them not to win. Yeah, that's right? the I one mean, thing uh, people forget. They have to win. They have to win is right. So the only question now is what time frame and at what cost, right? And that's part of why we keep hearing all this noise about proportionality and ceasefires and, and all that other stuff, because if there's anything that the world hates more than more than Israel, it's Israel winning at anything. So, um, but there was a, there's a gentleman in the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a gentleman called John Alterman, who mentioned the possibility of this being the first war in Israel's history that they have a very real chance of losing. And if that happens, obviously it would be horrible for Israel, but also damaging to the United States. And for that reason, I want to – I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's so dangerous that it could happen that it's something we need to understand. And I don't know if you guys remember, there's a line in the old Clint Eastwood movie, Heartbreak Ridge, right after uh, – that the U.S. after World War II was 0-1-1. and No wins, one loss being Vietnam and one tie in Korea. And that movie was, was done before our involvement in Lebanon, Somalia, Haiti, and all those – that never ended in clear victories, and add to that the post-9/11 conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria, Iraqi border. You know, those were all major military efforts of the U.S. with serious resources behind them. But after years of fighting, billions of dollars, and thousands of U.S. deaths, we didn't. We never really got a victory in any one of them, right? And the reason why I bring those up is because people will talk about, you know, the the difference between that and the Israeli battle right now, and. The clear one is that Israeli wars are being fought on their own borders, while every U.S. operation that I mentioned is being fought on a land far, far away, and that our population has very limited knowledge of what we're doing there and why we're doing it, and also a really bad case, case of ADHD. And it's said that Israeli wins because it has to, right? But always remember, because we talked about this a while back on Monday Musings, that war is just politics with force behind it. And I can guarantee you that Hamas understands that. So let's look at the brutal Hamas attacks in the light of that political battle that they're fighting. Right? We're used to and we like clean-cut victories. Somebody's surrendering on the deck of a battleship, as in World War II. You know, well, that doesn't happen anymore. Hamas's concept of a military victory, like those other organizations, is about driving long-term political outcomes. I mean, remember my comment that the U.S. has ADHD? You know, we can't concentrate for more than a couple of weeks before we get distracted by the next silly thing that comes along. Meanwhile, our adversaries, including Hamas, they look at victory not in terms of one year or five, but from engaging with decades-long struggles that they believe will, in the case of Hamas, increase solidarity with the Palestinians and further isolate Israel. And now, so let's look at that and what's happening in the non-military realm. And Hamas, which is really nothing more than a violent Arab criminal mafia, is rallying support around the population in Gaza and has managed to destroy simultaneously its greatest Palestinian rival, the Palestinian Authority, by making sure that the rest of Palestinians see the Palestinian Authority as an enabler of Israeli military authority. So now the only representative of the Palestinians in that region is Hamas. Right? So that's, that was victory number one for them. In all this losing and all this battle, the Palestinian Authority has lost <laughs> its legitimacy. 
And then you have the Arab states that are now moving away from there. By the way, don't forget about the other big win. The Palestinian leaders of uh, and the leaders of Hamas are multi-billionaires out of all of this. Uh, They're living in yeah, insane yeah. luxury. <laughs> John Pro, we're going to take a break on Monday Musings. We will come back and we'll sort of cap it off here. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying your analysis. Bob Cadaro, okay. The Eponymous Show. We roll on with John Perillo and Monday Musings after this. One of my favorite songs. Gordon Lightfoot, this date, 1976, moved to number three with his hit, The Wreck of the Edmunds Fitzgerald, on the heels of the anniversary of The Wreck of the Edmunds Fitzgerald, November 10th. Fascinating. And, and, and how appropriate that our history encompasses another disaster even larger than the Edmund Fitzgerald fire erupting inside a coal mine in Cherry, Illinois, killing 259 men and boys. And we get that here in northeastern Pennsylvania, don't we? Mary Regina sent in Mother Teresa for the day, and I'm happy I pre-read it or it would have caught me, (laughs) just like that poem has been. Taps, the taps by Monsignor Constantine uh, Sikonoffi. And it reads this way for November 13th, St. Teresa. I can never forget the time when I gave a child to a family. And after a few months, I heard that the child had become very, very sick. I went to the family and told them, give me back that child. I'll take care of the sick child and I'll give you another healthy child. The father looked at me and said, mother, take my life rather than the child. So you you wonder what inspired St. Teresa to do all she did. (laughs) That would keep you going, I guess, for a few years, that incredible story. So we're in the midst of Monday musings with our guy John Perillo. And now that we have a theme song, we can't help but play it. (laughs) We didn't start the fire. And here is uh, John Perillo continuing on this Middle East saga. John, welcome back. It's good to be back, and uh, I apologize for being long, but I know I am generally. So uh, we were well, talking it takes about you, how Hamas It takes you winning. three minutes to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is bad. So how has Hamas been winning? And we talked about how, you know, what, what Hamas is, which is really nothing more than a criminal mafia in that area. But in the meantime, Arab states are moving away from the normalization that was, that was being discussed, uh, we talked about how Hamas has already uh, eliminated the Palestinian Authority as an alternative to them. Uh, in the United States, we now have debate about supporting Israel, which is the first time we've had any of the bipartisan support since the early 1970s. And this is all before any of the Iranian proxies really start agitating and threatening a larger regional war. They've been making minor noise, but not really anything big. So what hap- what's happening is that the goal is the separation of Israel from its international partner, partners. And if you, if your listeners think about this for a minute, who's the pariah state here? And just as a hint, it isn't Hamas. That in itself is amazing, right? What's happening is that even though Israel is being careful, what's happening is that Hamas is winning, if you will, that, that political war. And it's a little bit like the judo fighter who uses his opponents and momentum against them. The better the Israeli military does, 
the greater the calls are for global uh, restraint from the Israelis, and the greater is Israelis' isolation. Um, and all these things advance Hamas's long-term strategy. So other than killing a bunch of militants, what should or could Israel do to ensure that Hamas is defeated? And there are two things that Israel needs, and neither of them are easy, but Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The first is they've got to win back some global support. Now, hang with me for a minute, okay? So given the open anti-Semitism in the region and the larger world, that's, that almost seems impossible. But you're beginning to see attempts at it when, like Netanyahu got on TV and said publicly that they had no desire to occupy Gaza. The audience for that announcement was likely the other regional powers who also distrust Hamas and Iran, but can't be seen to openly be supporting Israel. So... You know, Bob's talked about it a number of times. Look at is look at Egypt's response. Right, they've shut their own border and they've remained silent, which is about as close as we can get to support from from Egypt. And Israel needs Egypt, Jordan, and likely Saudi Arabia to be on board at least financially. You know, in order to rebuild something in Gaza uh, after this whole mess is over, and likely to provide some sort of acceptable governance, since it can't be Hamas. And Hamas has managed to destroy the credibility of the Palestinian Authority. And by the way, for what it's worth, part of the destruction of the Palestinian Authority is Netanyahu's own fault. He was playing Hamas off of the Palestinian Authority in order to claim that there was no single party to negotiate with, and he got burned. So that's just an aside there, right? But but, even an, but, an important, the Arab- but a very important one, John Perillo. I'm happy you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, he, he, he made a mistake there, right? And I think it's going to cost him his presidency. But even though none of the Arab countries are committed to the Palestinian cause, all of them have been offended by what they see as this Israeli indifference to Arab lives. They're not eager to take responsibility for Gaza, but they also can't be seen as being put in place by the Israelis. And they have to advance their own interests in Gaza by making sure that the threats to their own nations don't grow in Gaza. So Israel should be, and probably is, already engaging with these governments directly now. And Israel needs to convince them that a stable Gaza would be in their interest. And I'm talking about specifically Egypt, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia here. John Perlo, we need to take another break. We'll do so. We'll yep. come back and have you continue. And then I've got a concluding question that I want to ask you uh, about a, a proposal that has some fascination to it. In the short, so you can think about it, and, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, is buying the Sinai Peninsula from Egypt, Egypt. Oh, and, letting, and allowing the Palestinians <laughs> to move there. It's it's my preferred course of action, but I want to think it through. We'll take this break. Bob Cadaro, W-I-L-K. We will return with Monday Musings and John Perillo after a veteran's moment. After the weather, and then we got to hear from our great sponsors. Robert West, Archbald, survived by his wife of 62 years, Angela. Served in both the United States Army and the United States Air Force. Incredible. Combined service of over 20 years. He worked at PennDOT, 
Korean War veteran, heavily involved with his VFW and Legion Post in Ainan and Archibald, respectively. Survived by son, daughter, grandchildren, <clears throat> great-grandchildren, Robert West. Jerry Butler Pittston, this Jenkins Township High School grad, United States Marine Corps reservist, Jenkins Township Volunteer Fire Department, worked at Techniglass for 38 years and 20 more at the Great Sabatel's Market Main Street, Pittston. Jerry will be lovingly missed by his wife of 59 years, Joan. Daughter, grandchildren, Jerry Butler. My old friend, Frank Pudgy Colatus, Dunmore. His wife, Vera, another sweetheart, died October of 21. They were married 64 years at the time of her passing. It's the last time I saw him. Born wow. in Scranton, 1955, graduate of Dunmore High School, United States Army Reserves. Survived by his daughters. George Nipper Nowakowski, Durier, born Sawyersville. Pittston High School grad, United States Marines. He then went on to a career with the Pennsylvania State Police, including stationed, being stationed at Troop P, Wyoming. Proceeded in death by his former his wife Judith, daughter, a son, another daughter, grandchildren, Nipper Nowakowski, our veterans for today. Peter Frampton moved to the top ten at number ten with his hit "Do You Feel Like We Do." And Maybe one of the best albums ever. Bob Cadaro back with you here on WILK. And Brian Hughes is in the studio, Brian. One of our uh, listeners uh, alerted us to an accident on 81 South. What you? What have you found out? Well, Bob, we've got an accident. It's Interstate 81 Southbound right around mile marker 160. That puts it uh, one mile before the New Angola exit. So you may see some backlogs between Nanakoka and New Angola 164 and 151. Okay, and uh, keep us alerted on this because uh, we'll see if it's, if it's a traffic backup. We want to tell people avoid the area. And they've been doing a lot of work in that area, both north and southbound. So if they're doing any work out there, it's going to get backed up pretty soon. And watch out for the workers, too. Thank you, Brian Hughes. Appreciate it. So uh, we're on the blower with John Perillo in a sort of extended money music, but we've had to keep interrupting the guy, uh, <laughs> and he's with us. John Perillo, uh, let us continue. You were on point number two. Right. Me, me and my dog here. So this, the second, so we talked about the first thing that, the, that Israel has to do is to make sure that the other Arab countries around there are willing to support a solution uh, and governance in Gaza. And the second thing they have to do, the Israelis need to do, is to split Hamas off from the population that surrounds it and ensure that whatever Palestinian... By the way, and I'm going to point out and take their billions of dollars of lucre from them and kill them uh, on know, top of it. If, and kill let, them. Let them. Let them take the loot as long as they get the... As long as they get out of there, right? So, you know, I don't... I, at the end of the day... But let's let them die happens, rich and then take the money. Well, I, just, okay. yeah. I, I, I think that the, uh, the, the Israeli... Uh, 
uh, their their security forces have a way of tracking people down no matter where they are. But, um, you know, I, I think what Bob's alluding to there is that, you know, we have to make sure that Hamas is gone from the population because a couple of things, which, you know, the Palestinian uh, population has been supporting Hamas, but they really don't have a lot of choice in that. I mean, it's a little bit like like the mafia guy saying, Hey, you know, you, it looks like that's a nice restaurant you got there. You know, it would have shame if anything happened to it. So, anytime the international community sends like pipes to put, to put water uh, projects in place, Hamas takes them and makes rockets out of them. Yep. They, you know, the international community sends concrete there to build a building, and Hamas takes it and then builds tunnels with it. So that has to end, which means Hamas has to go. And I know this is not the right time for this discussion, but I actually believe that Israel would be better served by having a legitimate Palestinian government that recognizes Israel than it is to have nothing. And I know that that's a pipe dream um, at, at this point, but at some point, the, the Palestinian question needs to be addressed. And, and, you know, we who have the luxury of a little bit of separation between us and what's going on in Israel right now uh, should be supporting Israel in that, in that attempt. And I suspect that Anthony Blinken, when he was over there, was likely pushing those ideas or talking about those ideas and Israel for now is very much in the war fighting mode, like they should be. But at some point, they need to spend some time thinking about what winning looks like, or they will wind up losing even if they win militarily. And that was kind of my point. You know, um, the, Hamas has been planning this operation uh, on October 7th, apparently for years. And there's no way they could have been certain of their military success. They could reasonably be certain of what Israel's response was going to be. Yeah, they, they wanted Israel their own people killed. To lose that. They wanted their own people right. killed and that's, that's all true. for their uh, protection. All right, we, we've we got to go to a break. So I want you to hang for a little bit more if you could. And I want you to, to give us your initial thoughts. We'll do, we could do a whole Monday musings on this about the possibility of a Sinai solution to all of this, uh, at least an interim solution. Bob Cadaro with you. John Perillo, Monday Musings. We will be back after this. We're back. Bob Cadaro with you. We're in the midst of uh, Monday Musings. By the way, another accident, uh, one of our audience is pointing out, and uh, Brian Hughes is going to update us after Bloomberg Money Minute on uh, 81 South at mile marker 171. We reported one on 161. There's one on 171 as well. Tough day out there. Uh, by the way, uh, our friend Jimmy from Harvey's Lake tells his cousin, Colonel Michael Corcoran, is going to be buried with full honors at Arlington Cemetery. I, I want to honor him the day of that burial, uh, Jimmy. So email me and we'll talk. And he wants to read that. Taps, which we're going to do again after the news and after our open next hour. All right, so John Perillo, we've got um, a couple of minutes here before a hard break. So uh, tell us either, why don't we do this? We'll conclude your thoughts on your original point, and then we'll go to the Sinai issue after the next commercial break. Uh, or, or we can jump right into Sinai now. I think I think you guys see that the, the key issue is two things. We have to get rid of Hamas, and we have to get the support of the countries in the region. And what Bob's referring Ooh, to by on the way, Sinai— I think they—not I think. I know they know, other than a restive, radical Islamist portion of their population, 
that they need a strong Israel to survive. Not just it doesn't just come to the United States. The Arab countries need a strong Israel as a bulwark against Iran at, and their own radical groups. Well, that's, uh, it's that second half that makes this so difficult, right? So if Egypt is seen supporting Israel more than what it has in the past, which is essentially, hey, we recognize your right to exist, and we don't touch you and you don't touch us, um, that the, 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 the danger is to the Egyptian leadership itself, right? Because you can't support Israel fighting other Arabs as they see it without risking your own life. Yes. And that's the same issue with Jordan. It's the same issue with Saudi Arabia. The reason why Saudi Arabia is not supporting Israel is not because they, they, they don't believe in what Israel is doing. I, I pretty much guarantee you that they do. But in their own country, they can't upset their own imams and that sort of thing. So, Because they know they'd be next. So the funny part is Israel's existence, and we've got to go in just a few seconds, Israel's very existence is not only protection, it's a uh, a whipping boy. (laughs) They get two things out of it. To, to counteract their uh, wackos in their country. It's, it's, a, it's a remarkable yeah. dynamic. Right. Absolutely correct. Um, yeah, we can wait till the next break. If All right. Keep going or... Let's go to the Sinai. Uh, John Prillo's with us. Monday musings, but it is time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. We'll find out what's happening in business and do all of this after that. Well, we're in the midst of Monday musings, but this traffic, these traffic issues continue. And uh, our guy, Brian Hughes, is in the studio. What do you got, Brian? Yeah, it's feeling like a Monday out on Interstate 81 southbound. There was an earlier accident mentioned uh, before about at mile marker 160. That would put it before the New Angola exit. That accident has been cleared. We've got another one, though, at mile marker 171. Uh, it's a mile before the Wilkesbury Bear Creek exit, which is 170. So if you're heading out on 81 southbound, right around the Pittston exit, uh, in between Pittston and Wilkesbury Bear Creek exit, that's where the backlogs are. Mm. And we'll keep a surprise on those if you will. Will do. And I thanks to our listener for getting that info to us, and we tracked it down. Brian Hughes in the in the studio. So we've got John Perillo and John. I've I've seen this and read about it. We may have even talked briefly about it before, but just for the audience, the theory is this. And I oh, you look at anything you do is going to result in the you know gnashing of teeth and all this other kind of thing. But remember, these borders were imposed anyway in the sake of a world order. But the theory is you pay $10, $15 billion to Egypt for Sinai, huge area. And not only the, the Gaza residents go there, but the West Bank residents go there as well. And now you've got a territory for the nation of Palestine or whatever the hell they want to call themselves. And we make sure that they're not led by sick, twisted, insane murderers. Uh, and and, and by, the, by we, I mean the United States and all of the civilized world, particularly the uh, Arabs in the Middle East. And we have, a, we have a country that they could either come back and, and t- actually show that they could govern themselves— 
or they prove what events have proven that nobody wants them because they're not a, a val- valued uh, country, nor can they be. We'll see. Yeah, but- yeah okay. you bring up a lot of interesting points there. So the first one for your listeners is that the idea isn't really new. Trump was actually exploring it back during his presidency. Um, the second thing is that the Sinai isn't really empty. There's some spectacular hotels there. Egypt has really tried to develop it. So it's not quite as simple as taking – and the Sinai Peninsula is huge, so it couldn't be the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's oil-rich, and you know, so there's some other things there. Um, it's also entirely Egyptian. So you're putting the solution for this on the back of the Egyptians entirely. Uh, and then on the other side – But our, but our argument is, hey, you, you lost it, and we gave it back to you. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. that's, that, well, that's a, no, that's a – that's a great point, right? So um, uh, one of the things I suspect that could happen would be the Israelis could never give up their land to the Palestinians, but they, the Israelis have this empty quarter that borders on the Sinai that they could probably trade a piece of that in exchange for the uh, Egyptians you know, giving up a portion up by Gaza. I could see something like that happening. Um, the other issue is that it's not, it's not in land that the Palestinians claim to be their homeland. And we went through that last week where, you know, I, I think we kind of disproved that. But that's, you know, the facts apparently don't matter much here. It's what, what people say, which is that, this, you know, the Palestinians have historically lived on that land. It's not true. They claim Jerusalem as their capital. You know, so you'd have to resolve that. And then it doesn't really solve the West Bank issue. Um, and that will likely involve Jordanian um, a Jordanian solution. And so I'm not, and I'm not saying that, that none of these things can happen. But what has to happen, and I think you know that point number one has to happen is that the that the other Gulf Arab states must take this this problem up, right? There's no way for Israel to win this battle militarily. They're going to lose. Israel will lose if all it does is go into Gaza, destroy Gaza, and overthrow Hamas. There needs to be a solution for the Palestinian people. Um, as much as I am frustrated by the people and their choices of, of leadership, if that doesn't get if that doesn't get solved, this will this will go on in, in perpetuity. And and the past Israeli um, response of what they call mowing the grass, right? We ne- we're never going to cure the problem. We just keep the grass mowed. Yeah. We now that now they know that that doesn't work. So there's going to have to be something that's a little bit more involved with that. And, and again, if, you know, if I were the U.S. president right now, I would be actively working, especially with Egypt, with Jordan, and, and with uh, Saudi Arabia. To say- hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.